0: I think sometimes what we need to understand is when someone in our inner circle is making an assessment on who we are, or they're saying words, or they're you know, saying, well, you'll never do that, you're not smart enough, or you'll never do that, you're not talented enough, or you don't have enough money, or you don't have enough connections, or you don't this, or you don't that. We have to know who we are so that we know that what they're saying is what we're not.
1: It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show.
0: Hey, hey guys, it is your girl, Autumn Miles. Listen, I, um, as we were praying before we went on air, the Lord gave me, he reminded me of a verse that I just want to start this show off with, Isaiah 43. One says this. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not get scorched nor will the flame burn you for i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior i have given egypt as your ransom i don't know what you're dealing with today but that is a promise from god almighty when you pass through the waters you're not going to get overtaken. They're not going to overtake you. When you go through the fire, you will not get burnt. The flame won't even touch you because the Lord is your God and he's protecting you. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Autumn Mile show. You guys, we have so much to get to today. I felt like someone needed that word straight out the gate. We are going to talk after the break about their words. We're continuing our series. This is week three about words, and this might be my favorite, okay, in this series. Their words, their words. We're going to talk about their words when you were seven years old that formed the rest of your life and your thought pattern in a specific insecurity. We're going to Really touch on how their words affect you and how do you overcome their words. And we're going to go to my boy, my best buddy, David, King David in the Bible. Um, What's going on in my life? Listen, there has been so much that has happened in my life, um, but none is greater than this. A couple of weeks ago, I my husband is a pastor um, here in town. We love our church. Uh, Gateway Church is, is the church that we go to, but he is a pastor there. And um, we have, so my daughter works in the children's uh, ministry. My son volunteers my husband's there. So they always go to church. If you're a pastor's wife out there, you get what I'm getting ready to say. You don't go to church as a family because you can't. Okay. Everyone going with their husbands and sitting in the pew and you know, whatever. It's just not possible when your husband or your significant other uh, is in ministry. Um, And so that's very much our life. He gets up, he goes early and um, I have Moses and Haven and we go to church later uh, before the church starts. Starts. So I'm in the car the other day, and you know, Moses is very spiritually minded. That boy is like, he he, I mean, last night Haven lied and he looked at her and said, You just broke one of the Ten Commandments. Like, don't mess with Moses. He will tell you. I mean, he is Moses. He is a Moses. He's a seven-year-old Moses. Um, it was pretty funny, but he yelled, You just broke one of the Ten Commandments in front of. Uh, I don't even know how many people at one of our community events <laughs> that we attended. <laughs> Anyways, we're in the car and we're driving to church. And, um, you know, I really love, I love when I have the two little ones together because their conversation is hilarious. On this particular week, the conversation switched to um, Jesus in heaven and um, I just kind of let let it play out because I wanted to know what what Moses was going to say to Haven because Haven was asking all sorts of questions. And, you know, I just wanted to know how his brain is processing, you know, the things that he's learning. He's got an action Bible, which, by the way, if you have little kids, I highly suggest you buy them an action Bible. It is amazing what they've done. It, it puts it in ways that little boys and little girls can understand. And they read the captions and you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. But anyway, he's got that and they're talking about heaven and um, a long story short, because there's the part two of the story. Um, Haven asked Jesus to be her savior in the car, driving to church. It was so incredible that it was it was just such an incredible moment it's like you can have church anywhere and um haven is uh, you know i talk about her a lot because she's so spunky and um that day it was just incredibly precious i don't know another word but moses had a hand in um, that decision that she made. Of course, eventually I took over the conversation. I was, you know, but it was a really precious moment. It just so happened to be the day at the church when they were doing baptisms. And Haven is my introverted child. You would never know it if you were a fly on the wall in our house. All the flies on the wall in our house doesn't believe what I'm getting ready to tell you because she is not introverted at our house. But she's, you know, she's an internal processor. She's more shy when she's around people. And the other three are like, they're not shy at all. But I asked her, I said, you know, this is, this is so amazing. And we're doing baptisms at the church. Is that something that you would want to do? And she understands baptism. The other three just got baptized a couple of months ago. And she said, yes. (laughs) Haven's authoritative. Yes means yes when she wants it, she wants it. And, um, so I was able to meet Eddie at the door cause he always meets us with their little like church tags and, uh, was able to tell him what happened. She asked Jesus to come into her life and then also say she wants to be baptized. And, um, at, so after church, we stood in a long little line and it was really awesome. She waited so patiently and, Eddie, my husband was able to baptize her. And I just have to say, you know, watching all four of my children now uh, come to know Jesus and then, you know, make their public profession of faith is there is nothing like it. There is nothing like it. And I think there is such a tenderness when they actually understand how much Jesus loves them and how much the sacrifice that Jesus made for them and so there are so many things I I really want this to be her story to tell sometimes I have to be I have to watch oversharing cuz you know my kids want to tell their own story but it was one of those days that we have marked I have marked in my Bible I've been praying for before I ever even met her before she was even born I have prayed that over all of my children and it's it's pretty awesome to know that all four of them have made that decision so uh, it's been it's been pretty amazing it's so crazy because now she's like you know she's like gets upset about something she'll look at me she's like I'm not trying to be bad mom I'm not trying I'm not trying to be upset like she's really consciously thinking about the decision she made it's really really precious but she is adorable it was one of those days i will never forget and that is the most one of the most substantial things that has ever happened in my entire life so i wanted to let you know on that parents your kids get it Talk to them about the things of the Lord Uh, Jesus is very much a part of our life like all of us talk about him I mean Moses looking at her last night and saying you lied you broke one of the 10 commandments I mean that's like hardcore and the people around just started laughing but. But you know, it is so much a part of our life that that's not weird for him to say. So uh, talk to your kids about the Lord. They are receiving, they are listening, they are listening to you, mom. They're listening to your dad and you are going to be the first minister and the first example of Christ in their life. So keep that in mind. Okay, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about their words, their words. And we're going to talk about How do we overcome their words when it hurt and it stuck with you for so long? I'll see you guys after the break. Hey guys, it's Autumn and I want to know family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, We all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at Audemiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching Audemiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith. Okay, guys, I'm back. I have such a heart for what I'm getting ready to share with you guys because words can be used as weapons, and they are used as weapons every single day. And odds are, if you're normal, (laughs) that someone has said something to you in your lifetime that has seared you and you just can't seem to move past it. And it's these things that uh, Satan, the enemy, will a lot of times capitalize on to keep us in a mindset that holds us back from what God has for us. The words that have been spoken to me and over me that I just can't seem to move past Um, There was a time in my life when I had to hold every single thing that someone had said to me up against the accountability of the truth of Scripture. And it wasn't until then that I gained the power to start thinking past them because the power was in the truth from the Word of God. And I I just really have a heart for you guys today because I feel like you'll be chugging along in your season of faith. Um, Maybe you're, you want to step out in faith and do something awesome. And then someone will say something and it'll cause you because it's a weighty word to stop or someone will say something about your strength and weaknesses and it will cause you to turn around and retreat And Or someone will make an assessment on your character that is not true that will cause you to doubt your calling. So these words, uh, the reason why the Lord talks about words so much in scripture is because he knows the effects of them. We've talked about God's words, we've talked about our words. I really also love the narrative that you tell yourself. We talked about that in week two of this series of the the words that we're in, that we're closing out today. Um, The words that you tell yourself, what are the words that you tell yourself? It's unbelievable to me the things that I even tell myself, but then I can look at other people and say, why are you telling yourself that? Like like, a lot of times we can look at other people and say, You actually think that about yourself? Nobody else does. Like, this is not a thing, but yet we have drawn a narrative that we believe in our minds about ourselves. Um, Those need to be challenged. Well, today we're gonna talk about their words. I don't wanna focus on necessarily, specifically what they said to you, okay? Uh, that's That's not my goal for today my goal for today is not saying their words are bad or if someone says this to you it's wrong or, or you know whatever because we all have had different words spoken over us that maybe wasn't even intentionally, the intention of the person that was saying them was not to stop you, was not to make you think, was not to make you doubt. You don't know the intention of the person saying them but yet it is cause something in you that you need to uh, move on from. Uh, My goal is just that move past it. I'm going to take you to one of, I think the best examples of word war in the scripture. It is found in first Samuel 17. Now, this is the story of David and Goliath. What we know, what I, I'll just say what I know, what I know from studying this text a lot over the years is that a lot of times in biblical times, the the bodies of people, the nations would do opponent um, fighting. It wouldn't be nation against nation, army against army. It would be opponent against opponent. And that's what they were choosing to do with the Israel and the Philistines right here in First Samuel 17. So who was chosen as the Philistines' opponent was Goliath. Now, Goliath was tall. We all know that. We all know that the dude was tall. Let me read. Let me read it for you. But he he was chosen as their champion, which is what it caused him in First Samuel seventeen. What one of the big things I want to bring out to you about this passage is that this was not just about David fighting Goliath. Um, Goliath obviously was the champion that they chose, and I'm going to read the whole text to you here in a second. But I don't think anybody talks about the fact that David fought off three groups of people's words before he ever faced Goliath in actual warfare. He was able to overcome three small battles before he went on to win the war for Israel. We don't talk about this. As a matter of fact, I have never heard a message on this before, but this is a blueprint, if you will, on how we can move past words. Okay. So let me, let me pick it up in first Samuel, uh, Samuel 17 verse three. I I'm going to, I might skip around, but again, you guys aren't here to listen to me. I'm also might read the whole text. It's a long text. Let me see what I'm feeling. But I want you to pay attention not to, while I'm reading, not to Goliath and his height and, uh, and all of that, although that was intimidating. I want you to listen to the exchange of the words that take place and who they come from as I'm reading, okay? Here we go. First Samuel seventeen three says this, uh, the Philistine stood on the mountain... On one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them this is uh, how we know and you can do your own study on opponent uh, opponent warfare then a champion a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath his height was six cubits in a span he had a bronze helmet on his head He was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of uh, bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Now listen to um, what is being talked about here. They're painting a picture of of what Goliath looked like. Okay. They want you to know he looked incredibly scary. Okay. Uh, Verse seven, the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's bean and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. Verse eight is where it gets real. He stood. Now this is an intimidating figure. He looks Intimidating. I gotcha. But what he looked like was not what necessarily stopped Israel from going up against him. Listen, he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. He shouted. Listen to the words exchanged here. And he said to them, "Uh, why do you come out to draw up in battle? array? Am I not the Philistines and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together, okay? So there is about the same amount of verses that speaks about what Goliath said that there is about what Goliath looked like. He was not just intimidating with what he looked like. He was intimidating because his mouth Uh, waged little swords that every single person in Israel, uh, the armies were affected by. Okay, his mouth was just as intimidating as his stature. We do not talk about this enough. Now listen to what happened. Verse 11, when Saul, ah, it's not what they saw, guys, it's what they heard. When Saul, the king, and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I'm going to stop there because mama needs to preach over here. It was what they heard, not what they saw. It was what they heard and not what they saw. If it was what they saw, Goliath could have walked out and not said one word and he would have stood there and they would have completely ran away from the valley and they would have left. It was not what they saw. Now, was his stature intimidating? Yes, of course it is. It says it right here. But it says when King Saul and Israel heard What Goliath spoke, they were, according to verse 11, dismayed and greatly afraid. This war was a war of words. It caused them to stop. It caused them to question. It caused them to be scared. The confidence in Goliath destroyed the confidence in them. The resolute speech in Goliath caused them to question their covenant with God. Guys, this is already so good. Now David was the son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons and Jesse was old In the days of Saul advanced in years among men verse 13 the three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn the second to him Abinadab and the third Shammah 14 David was the youngest Now the three oldest followed Saul. Now I want to stop here because this is very important. The three older sons of Jesse's eight sons were there to do whatever it was that King Saul wanted them to do. They were a part of the army, okay? They were enlisted in the army, the three older sons cut back just one chapter before, the three older sons were also, uh, uh, all of the sons except for David, David was the youngest of the sons of, of Jesse, were also just overlooked by Samuel who looked at them and did not anoint them the next king of Israel. This is important information. Okay. So his three older brothers were there ready to fight. David shows up. Um, he was already anointed King by Samuel. He had not obviously assumed the throne yet, but he shows up. Um, because as you're going to see here, Jesse sent him David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul verse 15, but David went back and forth. From Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem first uh, 16 says this the Philistines came the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took a stand so morning and evening for 40 days we have Goliath uh, all this is going to make sense in a second we have Goliath that's coming out and he is shouting why do you come out and drop in battle ray? am I not the Philistine and you the servants of Saul choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me if he's able to fight with me and kill me then we will become your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him then you shall become our servants and serve us again the Philistine said I defy the ranks of Israel this day give me a man that we may fight together this is happening twice a day for 40 days. Goliath is coming out with his words. He's showing up in the valley. He's like, hey guys, I defy the ranks. What up, what up? He's doing it twice a day and he is repeating the same thing. One of the words a lot of times that Satan knows gets to us the most because he studies us as humans. Those words that get to you he tempts you to repeat them. I don't know what has been said to you by someone of old, but the very sheer fact that Goliath was repeating the same thing. He was actually winning the battle because what he was repeating was causing fear in Israel and also in King Saul. He kept repeating it every morning, every night where's your guy come on out i'm right here we'll be your servants if you kill me but if not you're gonna be ours i defy the ranks of israel morning and night he came out and he shouted 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 the same thing he shouted it he shouted it morning and night and morning and night 80 times he came out and repeated the same thing that thing That someone said to you years ago, or maybe it was last week, I don't know. You have let it ruminate in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., over and over and over until it has greatly dismayed you and made you fear. The repetitiveness of Goliath and the fact that he was resolute and the fact that he was consistent and the fact that he shouted and the fact that his words were intimidating coupled with his size. The relenting repetition of his words was wearing Israel down. I feel the spirit of God on this. I'm not even close to done, but I feel like the Lord wants to say to you, stop repeating it to yourself. When someone says something to you and it and it stings, it stings in that moment, but when we'd repeat and go over the dialogue over and over and over again, oh, they don't like me. Oh, they don't think I'm good enough. Oh, they you know, my work isn't good enough. Oh, well, I'm going to fail. Or oh, And they told me this and they told me I would never be used by God. And they told me this and you'll be nothing but a waitress your whole life and all this kind of stuff that they throw at you. If you let it ruminate over and 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 over, it will cause you to stop. Stop it before it stops you. That's going to bring someone freedom. I got to move on because I got lots to talk about. 15, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistines came forward 40 days and 40 nights. We already talked about that. Verse 17, then Jesse said to David, his son, take your brother and Ephah of this roasted grain and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. Now we're talking about words here. We have always heard it said, Oh, David brought his brothers lunch. You know, like the little boy with the five loaves and two fishes. Yes. He went with a lunch. He didn't go for lunch. Okay. I want to make this distinction because Jesse is back home worried about his three older sons. And I, this story has just gotten replayed so wrong over the years. Listen to listen to the narrative. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. He took them lunch as an excuse to go. But his mission was not to bring them lunch. His mission was to bring back words to Jesse, who was worrying about his kids. He went with lunch, not for lunch. Jesse needed the consolation of encouraging words from David. So here David goes on a journey to gather words, to bring back to his dad, to encourage his dad that, oh, no, they're okay. Everyone's okay. But he ends up um, doing something greater. Verse 19, so Saul and they and all the men of israel are in the battle of elah fighting with the philistines verse 20 so david arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as jesse had commanded him and he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array shouting a world war cry now he was going for a message to take back to his dad not for cheese people. He was going to gather information. So if you're going to gather information from your parents or your, whoever your authority is, you're going to get in there. You're going to start asking questions. You're going to wonder what in the world is going on here. I need to know. Cause my daddy sent me on a mission to bring back encouraging words because he's scared for my brothers. Do you understand how this transpired? Okay. He was on a mission for encouraging words, not to bring cheese and, you know, cottage cheese and a couple cheese cubes to the commander of the army. He needed to know what was happening. So David armed himself in there and he started asking questions. He came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry, 21. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army, 22. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. So he's like, hey guys, He's going on a mission to get a message, words back to his dad. So he's got to go all the way to the battle line to hang out with his brothers. 23, as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, oh, here we go, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words, and David heard them. Remember what we just talked about. So Goliath is coming out. This is so important and we do not ever talk about this. David hears the words the first time what Israel has heard 80 times. David didn't hear him on repeat. He heard him one time. He hears what everyone is freaking out about. He hears it He hasn't allowed it to ruminate over and over and over in his mind. He hears it the first time. And this is what he says. Oh, I love it, love it, love it so much. When all the men of Israel saw the man they fled why because the words of Goliath had ruminated in their minds probably in their sleep they're probably having nightmares about these specific words and they were greatly afraid verse 25 then the uh, men of Israel said have you seen the man who is coming up surely he is coming to defy Israel and it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free from Israel now listen David had heard them once, they had heard them 80 times. This is important, 26. Then David spoke, what did he speak? He spoke words to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God this is where we all fall in love with David because he's got a courage a grit as a kid that grown men the king of Israel didn't have who is this guy that is taunting, he uses the word taunt, that he should taunt with his mouth, not with his size. With his mouth, the armies of the living God. They had heard it 80 days, he heard it once, and he was not even having it. He was not going to allow it to ruminate. He was not going to allow it to stay in his mind for over and over and over again. He immediately destructed the words that Goliath was saying because in that moment, he had not let them seep into his soul. So he was able to respond with his words in a courageous way, which by the way, everyone in Israel, uh, the, the army of Israel needed to hear. Verse 27, the people answered him in accord with his word saying, thus it will be done for the man who kills him. And we just, I just told you, uh, he's going to, you know, be great riches and all the things that's uh, found in verse 25. So here he, he is already more courageous because he hadn't let the word ruminate from Goliath. He's already more courageous than everyone else. And guess who steps up to the plate? Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke words to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said with his words. So we have the enemy coming at David. And he immediately is saying, nope, that's not true. I know, God, I'm not letting this sink in. That's the first thing that you can do when the enemy comes against you. Is it true? Do you immediately know it's not true? If you instantly and immediately know that whatever the enemy is telling you is not true, stop rumination, stop allowing him to repeat it. Just do not let it into your mind. The next group that I'm talking to is the group that that is a little bit more challenging because this is not the enemy that we know the scripture and we know how to combat the enemy's words and we know what God says against the enemy's words. This, we're entering into a close circle of people that were around David. Eliab steps up, uh, verse 28, his anger burned against David, and he said, why have you come down? We know why, to bring back encouraging words to Jesse. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Oh, Eliab. He says, I know your insolence. And I know the wickedness of your heart. Interesting that he calls out the wickedness of of his heart when God calls him a man after God's own heart. For you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? was it not just a question then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing and the people answered the same thing as before i want to talk just for a second about this eliab david exchange we've got the first the enemy has come in he has tried to taunt the armies of god they have listened david did not because he immediately discredited The fact that Goliath and the Philistine army was stronger than the the army of Israel backed by God himself. But this gets a little bit more personal. His older brother. His family. The brother had just seen David anointed with oil. It's very reminiscent of Joseph and his older brothers. But Eliab had just seen him anointed. He's already annoyed with David. But then David comes in and speaks truth and is more courageous than Eliab is. There is, I'm sure, a root of jealousy there and frustration. Eliab is speaking out of his own insecurity because he wasn't found to be worthy of being anointed the king of Israel like David was. He speaks out of his own frustration and his own anger it actually says right here eliab's anger burned against david his anger spoke not truth and this is what he said why have you come down here and he insults him and with whom have you left those few sheep i know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart for you have come down in order to see the battle I want to just talk for a second about those family members, close friends, people that do have a seat at your table, that have said things to you out of anger, out of jealousy, out of insecurity, out of them not understanding what you're doing, that have made assumptions about your character. Clearly, Eliab was doing that. I know your wickedness. Well, David wasn't wicked. He wasn't perfect, but he wasn't wicked. I know your heart, I know, I know. You think you can do this? Where's your few sheep? What are you talking about? Go back to your sheep. Sometimes the words of the enemy don't sting as much as the words of friends. The words of the enemy are easy, easily forgotten. The words of your husband, your child, your brother your mother your father those sit with us sometimes our whole lives how do we move past the war of words that comes from within your inner circle david showed us exactly how to do it he says it says verse right here in verse uh, 29 but david said what have I done now? This question of what have I done now knows that David knows that what Eliab is saying is not a true assessment of who he is on the inside. Sometimes it's important to know who we are so we don't listen to what other people tell us we are. David knew who he was. David knew he wasn't wicked. David knew he was coming in order to, to bring a word back to Jesse. His intentions were pure. He was obeying his father, and he was being very faithful to his father. So everything that Eli had said was wrong, and David knew that, which is why he could look straight at his oldest brother, who I'm sure he had respected his whole entire life, and said, said this, What have I done now? This is not about me. This is about you. What have I done now to you? Why are you, why are your little panties in a wad? What have I done now? That's why he could respond that way. Was this not just a question? And verse 30 tells it all. Then he turned physically away from him to another and said the same thing. I think sometimes what we need to understand is, When someone in our inner circle is making an assessment on who we are, or they're saying words, or they're, you know, saying, well, you'll never do that. You're not smart enough, or you'll never do that. You're not talented enough, or you don't have enough money, or you don't have enough connections, or you don't this, or you don't that. We have to know who we are so that we know that what they're saying is what we're not. David knew that. So what he did is he physically turned his body away from the influence of someone in his inner circle that was misjudging him. Sometimes it is okay, people, to not let their toxicity and even in your inner circle affect what God is asking you to do. He had a war with Goliath of words first, and now it's in his inner circle. He physically turned, he turned away. He did not listen anymore. He did not want to know anything else that Eliab said. Why? Because Eliab was wrong. If there is someone in your inner circle that is contradicting everything that the lord has said to you it's time to turn away now i'm not saying never talk to him again but i am saying mentally make a note this person doesn't need to influence my life any longer because they get it wrong every single time they don't know what's in my heart they don't know what's going on in my calling physically turn your brain off to allowing them to speak in to what god is asking you to do if it contradicts what you know to be true David did that I'm physically going to turn he did verse 31 here we go this is another this is the third one and then we'll be done when the words oh it's all about words isn't it which David spoke were heard they told them to Saul King Saul and he sent for him David said with his words to Saul, here we go, we're about to fight the third battle. Let no man's heart fail on account of him, talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines, verse 33. Then Saul said with his words to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him? For you are but a youth. while well, he has been a warrior from his youth the third war of words that happened before he ever faced Goliath was between David and his authority. Some of you guys have bosses. Some of you guys have parents. Some of you guys have, I don't even know who it is, someone in authority in your life that have said that you are incapable because of your youth, that you are incapable because of your weakness, that you are incapable because of your lack of education. And you've let it ruminate. And you've repeated it in your head. Therefore, it has become your truth rather than factoring the power of God into what they said. Here's the thing about Saul. What he said wasn't wrong. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for your a youth. That's true. He was a youth. While he has been a warrior from his youth, that's also true. He was a warrior from his youth. But when it comes to King Saul, what King Saul did is what little baby King David had not done. King Saul factored God out of the intimidation that Goliath was bringing every day and every night. Saul counted the power of god out of the battle and little bitty king david counted the power of god in what they said to you may have been true but it doesn't mean it's final because we serve a god who does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine he calls us more than conquers when you walk through the fire you will not get burnt Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And oh yeah, there was a fourth guy in there too that uh, Nebuchadnezzar did not throw in. Little King David was factoring God in while King Saul was factoring God out because David had a different mental awareness of what God could do than Saul because Saul let the words of Goliath ruminate in him because he had a different awareness of the power of the living God. He was able to look at that authority and said, yeah, so what? I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, those are Autumn's words. But 34 says this, But David said with his words to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came, and it took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, and I attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him down. Listen to what he says in 36. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted with his mouth the armies of the living god 37. david said the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this philistine and saw said with his words to david go and make god be with you It just so happens that David went and got little pebbles. He had fought off the words of Goliath, the words of his inner circle, and now the words of the authority. He's faced again with Goliath. Verse 43, then the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come out with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. The Philistine also said, again, he's trying this verbal intimidation because it had worked for 40 days, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the sky and to the beast of the field. That's what Goliath sounds like. Then David said with his words to the Philistines, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted this day. The Lord will deliver you up into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head. Verse 47. And all the assembly. uh, Let's see. Oh, no, I skipped one. Uh, And I will give dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky. Verse 47. And that all the assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hand. Then it happened. When the Philistine rose and drawn near to meet David, David quickly ran toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell down dead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That awesome. The actual battle part for David was pretty easy. It was the war of words before that was hard. Listen, I know this is going long. I don't know what group, it's the enemy's words, if it's your inner circle's words, if your authority's words. I don't know which group is bothering you the most. I don't know who said what and when. Goliath, his words were held up to the reputation that the Lord had in his covenant. Eliab's words were held up against David's awareness of himself and who, and his integrity before the Lord. And Saul's words when it came to fighting those, David factored God in rather than shutting him out. I don't know where you lie today, but their words have overtaken you for too long. And I I just want to pray over you before we go into our last segment to be free, to move forward. Stop allowing their words to stop you. Lord, I love you today. And God, I um, I thank you for this insight I thank you for King David I thank you for all he did right I thank you for this example and I pray for that person right now who is weeping they're weeping Lord because that words of that ex-husband that words of that child that words of that boss that words of their grandparent the enemy's words have got them greatly afraid and dismayed. I pray for courage to rise up in them. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would infuse them with your truth. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would free them, free them indeed by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Whew, that was good. I love that. Okay, I'll see you right after the break with a question from one of y'all. Let's go. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, "Gangster Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Okay, guys, I hope you love that as much as I did. I really felt, I felt the spirit of God in my own studio. And, um, you know, I, as I studied that, it's almost like the Lord was like, you need to move past some of these words. And he actually was telling me words that I needed to move past. And I mean, I had church with Jesus long before I brought it to you. So just know that the Lord had convicted me before I even brought it to you. But I pray it brings you freedom. Um, I pray that you you're able to walk forward free. Okay, I have a question from you. I'm, uh, this is, comes from Melanie. Melanie says, I'm struggling with having compassion and grace for my friends who have walked away from the church and being angry at them. How do you handle them? You know, this is a great, you know, it's hard not to feel like we have to jump in and defend Christ. Because we all feel that, you know, we all feel like, you know, we have to defend, we have to defend, we have to defend, we have to say, we have to tell them, you need to go, you need to go. Um, But this is what I found just in my own walk. I have friends that have walked away from church. I have friends that have walked away from the faith. And the Lord brings me in these different situations to the same resolve every time. Every time this happens, he brings me the same resolve. And this is what he says. You're not stronger than my spirit. It's the spirit of God that tenderly, intimately, and specifically speaks to someone's heart that, you know, maybe doesn't believe or doesn't go to church or doesn't want to or whatever. And I think a long for a long time, I tried to assume the spirit of God's uh, position in people's lives. I'm like, no, kind of like what you do with your spouse. Hey, you really need to do this. Well, you're not the spirit of God. So you don't actually, although you're their spouse, you don't actually know how to effectively communicate with them in an area that they're stubborn on. My encouragement to you, Melanie would be this give them to the Lord, give them over to the spirit of God. And you're, if you're angry or frustrated or whatever, I totally get it. I mean, I'm one of those people that's like, don't you understand? You need to go. It's so good. You need to sit and worship and you need to like meet for your friends and that encourage you and stuff like that. I'm the same way, but I've also learned my words fail and the Holy spirit words are effective and they're everlasting and they change lives. And so what I would say in your specific situation is to just release that in your heart over to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to intervene in their lives. And I I think that will help you as you navigate these weird relationships. People, you go to church, but they don't. Releasing them to the Spirit also frees you to not kind of hold them captive to what you think they should be doing. It's really helped me. I've got a lot of friends that I don't agree with on a lot of things, but this always grounds me when I find myself getting frustrated. I remember I'm not the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit go before me. You speak to them. You speak truth to them and it really does bring me peace. So I hope that 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 encourages you. What God is doing in your life. We got a message from Christy. Listen, send us your your stories. We want to know. I love. I cannot tell you how encouraging it is to hear from you guys about what God is doing uh, amongst you. Uh, Christy says, I lost my mom recently and I've missed her dearly. Uh, I'm so sorry, Christy. That is so hard. So, so hard. I had been praying I would see something from the Lord that would give me a clear sign, his faithfulness to me still. Today... I found a piece of her jewelry that somehow found its way into my house. It reminded me that God cares even about the small things and my small request to see his faithfulness. Christy, that is absolutely precious. It's so precious. I have not lost a parent. I've lost in-laws, both of my in-laws, but I have not lost a parent. And um, But I can only imagine how that feels. And I just want to tell you, I'm so god is so present and family listen there are thousands of you out there that listen to this every week and i want you guys to know what god does amongst us so that it can encourage you that if god did it for christy god will also do it for you if god did it for autumn then god's also going to do it for you Christy, thank you for that. I think sometimes we only think that God cares about the big things, and that is so not true. He wants to comfort our hearts every single day in any situation. And um, I'm so glad you shared that with us. Love you guys. Next week, we're going to start something new. I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I hope you join us next week for a brand new episode of The Autumn Mile Show. Love you guys so much. God be with you. I'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for tuning in to The Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.